from Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau file reports, make recommendations, survive on water that drips from the boiler pipe into our open mouths as we sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper. Maybe one day we'll escape from the subterranean hell that is this basement, but until that day comes, we're not going anywhere. And the city's not going to improve itself. So here we stay, improving things. This meeting is now in session. Hello. Well, what? Hello. You can hear me. I can hear you through Back the darkness. Did you, did you forget to pay the power bill? It's very dark in here. No, I'm going for uh, a, a dark vibe. I'm feeling very dark. The weather's got me down, man. I, I, yeah, I mean, I am sick of being hassled by this weather. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fifth, winter, <laughs> fifth winter. I always find I find fifth winter is a is a difficult time to get through. It is that that period of time from uh, April to uh, to mid July. June. Uh, yeah. June. <laughs> fifth fifth winter. Uh, I, I was thinking we were entering that we were going to be entering a goth phase at the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Did we ever really leave our goth phase? Uh, I, f- I feel like our, our, our inner goth retreated, maybe sort of brooded for a while, but now the goth is awake. And uh, yeah, and that's, and that's where we're at. Yeah. Well, we're all wearing black. Mm-hmm. It is quite true. We're in black. We're we're, we're grumping about the, the weather and the darkness. We're listening to Bella Lugosi is dead. Exactly. Because he is, and there's nothing anyone can do about that. Unless, of course, you have one of our patented flux capacitor resurrectors, which I have been working on. You have. To, to, bring, back, to bring back our beloved celebrities. Oh, because, you know, they... They always need more time in the sun. The, true. Like, um, I, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know if Walter Matthau is, uh, is around still, but if, if he isn't, I'm, I'm going to work on that. Don't you worry then that if we, if we keep bringing back our celebrities, that we'll never get new celebrities? You know, the new celebrities have just been, so most of them have not been keeping up as far as I'm concerned. In what sense? Uh, they're, they're a little flighty. They, they like, they, they stay out late and they don't wake up until like, you know, two in the afternoon, they come into work and they're just, their heart's clearly not into it. Like when they, they show up at the celebrity factory, they're punching in late, you know, it's just, and, and then, and then they, and they're they're trying to unionize. I mean, remember when celebrities did it for the love of it? Not anymore. Now it's all what's in it for me. Yeah. And meanwhile, like they, they don't even like produce nearly as much fresh hot celebrity for the masses. Jesus. They've been I know. Slacking. I think you're right. They've been slacking. Um, I think part of the problem though is that we've had too many unpaid intern celebrities. <laughs> and that's, this is true. This is true. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's limits. I happen to know that Channing Tatum hasn't been paid a dime in five years. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, he got nothing for Magic Mike. A tragedy. Well, he got swole. He got swole for Magic Mike. But yeah, but no, but in terms of money, I mean, he got some he got some pretty good gym equipment out of it. Yeah. But I mean, a couple of kettlebells. I mean, come on. Just throw the guy, throw the guy a few bucks for being a celebrity is what I'm saying. Anywho. We don't get paid. We don't get paid. Why should celebrities get paid? Pris- you know, you you know you got me all turned around on the on the issue now. Yeah. yeah, if we're not getting anything, nobody should get anything. Yep. Yep. All right. All right. Hey, should should we take attendance? We should totally take attendance. All right. Okay. Um first uh first attendee, uh Panel Sedu. Nope, I don't see a panel saver. Panel saver. Uh, the uh, known as the Gaelic Garland, he combined the sport of prize fighting with the concert circus or circuit, not circus, singing classic Irish ballads while pummeling his foes. Well, Rumor has it he beat Gentleman Jim in three rounds while bringing the crowd to tears with his rendition of Danny Boy. Wow. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I know. I wish he was at this meeting, but I, I don't think he's going to make it. I don't. I don't think so either. Uh, he uh, late in his career, he he suffered uh, substantial brain damage mm. from being hit in the head repeatedly by oh. by people like Gentleman Jim. So, so yeah. So I, I think he he, he kind of uh, he kind of retired and and then he died. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yet he's listed as being in, in our meeting today. You know, I'm tempted to think that like one of our interns is either messing with us or it's an honest mistake. Okay, good. Because um, you know, actually, are you, are you planning to bring this this celebrity back? Um, I, I might actually. Yeah, I mean, he was he was uh, he was he was a international treasure. Uh, but I, I see the issue here. Uh, somebody's mixed up the letters uh, into a sort of a weird quasi Gaelic sounding name. Should be should be Paul Deshen. That's me. That is okay. Okay, one one out of two. That ain't bad. Um, second attendee for the meeting is Aroma Indang. No. Aroma Indang, uh, the inventor of the peas dispenser. That dispenses peas or peas? Peas. It, it it doesn't dispense peas or or pez dispenses peas. Okay. And it uh, there's the regular the standard raw pea, you know peas dispenser. Um, oh, there's the extruder, uh, or AKA the Union Jack, which uh, extrudes mushy peas. Okay. Uh, there's the uh, the teriyaki flavored ones called the samurai. Um, oh, and the Sidious, which just uh, Looks like uh, Star Wars peas or pez, uh, but it it extrudes or it doesn't extrude. It dispenses um, regular hot peas. Okay. Like you, the idea was, you'd actually immerse the whole thing in boiling water for a while, and then take it out and uh, and shoot hot peas into into your waiting mouth. So like molten peas, as though they came from Mustafar. Y- yes. Yeah, that's the idea. Right. So yes, or it's actually yeah, also known as the Vader. So right, right. Famous, famous uh, inventor of the peas dispenser. 
Uh, edged out of the market by Pez, obviously. Yeah. But, you know. Much uh, healthier option than Pez dispenser, I see. Much healthier. Yeah, there was, it was a way of like taking one of America's least favorite, you know, dinner sides and turning it into uh, a fun, healthy treat for kids. Right. And how did it work? Not very well. I mean, it's. I mean, off uh, like the 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 raw peas one wasn't so bad, but almost anything else you it got gummed up pretty quickly. Particularly the, the extruder, yeah. or AKA the Union Jack, because uh, you know. That's funny because in my limited experience with children, uh, if they can extrude something, uh, they will jump at the chance. Oh yeah, no, that that wasn't that wasn't the problem. I mean, the kids kids love extruding. We all know that. The problem was that it got got gummed up uh, pretty quickly, and you had to, in order to make it worth your while, you had to attach a fairly large bladder of uh, of mushy peas. Right. And yeah, that had to be, and it had to be kept in warm water because cold extruded mushy peas, not so good. Right. So it needed a lot of infrastructure to make it work. Right. So you couldn't like you couldn't really take it out on the town. No, that's what you'd want to do. If only yes. they could overcome that technological hurdle. Exactly. Well, they tried. They tried actually trying to like uh, putting a plaid pattern on the bladder right. and uh, marketing it as like a Scottish like thing, uh, but that got the Scots angry. So because right. you know because there's no satisfying the Scots apparently. No. So yeah, that's a uh, that's that's a Roma Indang for you. Hmm. Um, but they're uh, they're they're not here. That's sad. Unfortunately, yeah. And and I say they because they're non-binary. So. Oh, good. Uh, oh, hold on. This is this is a little embarrassing. Uh, actually, I've mixed up the the letters. Uh, and it should be um, should be Aiden Morgan. Oh, that's you. That is me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Oh, you know we're we're both here. Yes, we are. Um, do we have quorum? We do not have quorum. Well, we will carry on regardless, as if what we were doing mattered. It matters. Yeah, okay. It does. It is made of matter, and it matters. Exactly. All right. Well, we do have an agenda. Believe it or not. I I I do. Yeah. Uh, we actually have some uh, city hall stuff to catch up on. Uh, because we've uh, we've been slackers. There's been, <laughs> there's been fewer meetings than usual. We have we have had to slack. I mean we've I mean our budget has been cut because of the pandemic. Right. So. Yeah. COVID hits everybody hard. It does. Yeah. And some of our some of the money, the city's money, got sick, so it couldn't couldn't come into work to be to be spent. That's what they told us, anyways. That's, the money yeah. is ill. That's why we can't pay you. <laughs> that's that's right. I mean, why why would they lie? Like, I mean, they have to run a city. You can't run a city on lies, is what I'd like to say. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought we would talk a bit about the um, intensification incentive discussion paper. Ooh, the IIDP. Yes. You've heard of it. <laughs> I have, yes. I've presided over many an IIDP in my time. I think it is the first time in all the many times I've like read a report from City Hall. 
I think this is the first discussion paper I've ever seen. What what is this? The uh, what? Tell me what the IIDP is discussing. Uh, this comes out of uh, a couple of years ago. There was the underused land strategy where they went around and they looked at all the space in the city that uh, nothing's on it. Uh, so that included a lot of like empty land, a lot of brownfield sites. So sites mm-hmm. that were formerly like gas stations or, uh, you know, other, uh, other oil infrastructure internal to the city that uh, has been contaminated. And so they don't want to build anything on it. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of land in the city that's just not being used, uh, just vacant lots, all sorts of it. And so mm-hmm. out of that, the way things work is that you first have to acknowledge that you have a problem and then you start to deal with the problem. And ah. frequently this is like a multi-decade process at the city. This uh, intensification uh, incentive program is just basically saying we have the, we have this idea that uh, intensification, so building more stuff into the city to utilize existing infrastructure is an efficient way to build a city. But why aren't we doing that? Like, what, what are the obstacles to intensifying the Queen City? I feel like there's like a, one of those, like that jealous girlfriend meme in the offing here. Like when, when there's the intensification and infill angry girl and the dude like sort of whistling at the sort of the suburban sprawl girl. The Cooperstown. cheap bluesy of suburban sprawl. <laughs> Uh, because the city, since, uh, since the official community plan passed, uh, we've had a goal of hitting uh, 30% infill and intensification within the city, and 70% of our uh, new population would, and development would be uh, greenfield. And we have never hit that since we started, uh, since we set that goal. Uh, the closest we've come is like, 22 percent uh and that was 2014 uh but our average is a 12.2 percent since 2013 and actually if you uh if you factor out that one year 2014 where we had a really good really good uh intensification uh and you go to just our five-year intensification rate so just the last five years uh our Mm -hmm. intensification is only 6.6 percent so we're whoa Falling a little short of the 30% goal. We need to get more intense about intensification is what I'm hearing. Yeah. And I'd, I'd very much like to know what was going on um, in the early 2010s that uh, we actually got like, you know, up into the, we got into the twenties, like for one year. And I'm just kind of curious, like why that happened because it doesn't, uh, it doesn't jive with anything else we've ever done. No. When, when do we build the stadium? You're listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, tuned into the community. Yeah, so anyways, we've never made the 30%. So they, they said, well, let's do a report. Let's discuss what incentives we could offer to developers to get them to build. Yeah, that's what this report was about. It was about pitching some ideas and saying, hey, do you like these ideas, city council? If you like these ideas, we'll take them out to the, we'll pitch them to the developers and see what the developers think. And they came up with a few recommendations. They've got three recommendations that they want to take out to the development community. Before I get to those, though, just in the background of all this is two years ago, what we instituted were intensification levies. So up until then, 
we had like development levies. If you were building greenfield, you had to, the developers had to build the infrastructure that those developers mm-hmm. were going to use. And they had to pay to the city to cover that infrastructure if the city had to build it. So anything that the city had to build to serve a new subdivision, developers paid for. And those costs then got passed on to the, uh, the people who bought there. Then we instituted intensification levies. And these are basically if you are increasing the density on a lot. So if you're taking like a single family home, tearing it down and putting a six unit apartment on it, you have to pay an intensification levy to cover the cost of infrastructure that would serve those extra units on that lot. This is a little minorly controversial because on the one hand, there's the city's stated goal of all growth should pay for growth. And that should apply to intensification as well as to Greenfield. But on the other hand, you had people saying, well, if there's all these benefits that come from intensification, shouldn't we just be eating the cost of the intensification levy ourselves? Especially since for decades, Greenfield developments were not paying any levies. And so the costs were actually being eaten by the core of the city. So all that development was being eaten by the previous you know, landowners in the center of the city. You're having to pay for like infrastructure for intensification does not strike me as an incentive. No, no, it (laughs) does not. (laughs) Um, And perhaps, but at the same time, you can't like sort of chalk that up to being the reason why we're not seeing any development because before the intensification levy, we didn't have much better numbers for infill. So it hasn't been an obstacle. It's just been there as a theoretical obstacle. There's, no, there's very little infill happening. So uh, it's kind of a theoretical debate. Like, what's the problem? So the city endeavored to come up with this intense, these intensification incentives. Um, and so we have this levy. And instead of just getting rid of the levy, what they're doing is they're coming up with incentives. And they typically involve the developers pay us money for stuff like taxes. And we're going to find a way to tricky ways to give it back to them if they're good. (laughs) So we have uh, a development charge rebate is one of the suggestions. And so this is basically the, you know, giving them a portion of their development levy back to them. Uh, if they're building in, so they, they want to focus this intensification in the downtown, heritage, and north central neighborhoods. Interestingly, not cathedral, not on this list of target oh, really? infill areas. Yeah. Um, so I have a theory because every time you try to build infill in cathedral, it's, <laughs> it get upset. There's a bit of a, there's a bit of an outcry. Every single time. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, developers just said, yeah, don't bother. Sorry. Uh, the other one that they've, uh, they've suggested, suggested is the tax increment equivalent grant. And what this would do is if you have a vacant lot and you build a building on it, your taxes go up. So vacant lot is the cheapest taxes you have to pay for property taxes. Put a building on it, you pay a lot more tax. And so uh-huh. the, tax, the tax increment equivalent grant would be granting you back for a limited period of time the difference between vacant lot and developed lot taxes. And then the last option 
that they had was offering you a choice between one of these tax increment equivalent grants or just a fi straight up five-year tax exemption on the lot. A tax increment equivalent grant could go on longer than five years, but they're going to give you just the option of like no taxes for five years. Um, so then it would be your choice as a developer. So they want to take these three ideas out to the community and see what the community thinks about them. Never a good idea, but okay. Yeah. Introduce, don't introduce this to people. They'll, they'll mess it all up. Uh, that passed. Uh, the, the only person who voted against it, we've got like three minutes here, but uh, yeah, the one person to vote against it was Mayor Masters. And in her campaign to become the mayor, she got, uh, she got it in her head. She kept going on about how, uh, why are we just giving them back their money? Like, are we just finding ways to give them back their money? Why don't we just get rid of the levy? Her line of questioning of council was, or of administration was, uh, she was very upset about uh, this. Why do we need a really Byzantine bureaucratic formula if we could just get rid of the levy. And personally, I'm like, I'm, I'm always down for the Byzantine bureaucratic system. I mean- Yeah, the more, the more complicated, the better. More bureaucratic, the better. Exactly, it keeps guys like us in business. It, it does. Um, in answer to an earlier question, I, I poked my cyber nose into, into the internet and uh, found out that the Mosaic Stadium building started in early 2014. Oh, okay. And finished, it was completed in 2016, but perhaps some of that, like, uh, some of that spike in infill uh, came across because of the construction, so, like, of, of and surrounding the uh, Mosaic Stadium. Oh, maybe. Or maybe it was just they counted it oh. as infill. Yep. Maybe That's each... what I'm... Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're basically saying that Every Rough Rider counts as a unit of housing. <laughs> so, so some of them, some of them I've met, uh, whom I've met, actually look like the size of a unit of housing. So possibly yes. Oh, hey, hey, Paul. What's, yeah. what's your yeah? What what is what is your favorite thing to do, lottery wise? Hmm. Uh, I love the tickets. I love just getting a ticket. I love having a ticket in my hand and I love looking at the ticket and thinking this ticket is my ticket to riches. Exactly. And, but some lotteries, I mean, give cooler prizes than others and some are uh, nearer and dearer to our hearts. Really? Yeah. Do tell. Well, I mean, like for example, the, uh, the International Guinea Pig Lottery, where you can win a guinea pig. That one's pretty cool. That's um, pretty great. Guinea pigs are wonderful. They, they are. Unfortunately, they often don't survive the, 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 the trip in the mail. So uh, lots of children have been uh, very traumatized by the uh, guinea pig lottery. Um, so let's not talk about that at all. Uh, okay. Right uh, let's talk about the CJTR, Safe Saskatchewan Adventures Lottery. The Safe Saskatchewan Ventures Lottery. What is this? This is new. This is new. Well, this is this is this is the uh, often those those who know those what listen uh, in past years know about CJTR's Look and Listen Lottery, where you can often win prizes, travel prizes, you know, to uh, 
various, <coughs> excuse me, various places around the world, around the country. Uh, this one's a little bit different. Uh, it, it's bare, it's keeping the you know our our current conditions with the pandemic in mind. Uh, so I'll tell you all about it. Um, so it's going from May seventh to June fourth, which. That's right now. Uh, you can enter to win one of three fabulous Saskatchewan adventures. A COVID-safe Saskatchewan adventure awaits you. Uh, and the deal is you get to pick your own vacation. So you could say, here are some choices. Uh, you could have a nature getaway at Elk Ridge Resort in Waska Sioux. I mean, that's beautiful hiking. There's also the uh, Trio 6 zip lines um, you know, nearby. Um, there's also horseback riding and ATV adventure at Risa Ranch. I've been to Risa Ranch. It is a phenomenal time. Uh, or maybe there, go to the James Hotel in Saskatoon for a romantic trip. What's that? Uh, no, wait. So is there any sitting around, though? Because so far, what you've given me is a lot of walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, walking on animals that are walking. Yep, uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, zip lining. Yep. Which... That's not really sitting. Well, there is there is actually no sitting. There is sometimes just lying down very still. Oh, I like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you can recline in water because there's because Saskatchewan, I mean, literally it's the land of a hundred thousand lakes and rivers. And you can go to one of them and uh, splash around, you can boat around, you can fish. There's a lot you can do in this here province. All right. Okay. Uh, so so, uh, so you'll get. So, if you, if you win, if you win, uh, each trip includes accommodations and activities valued at twenty five hundred dollars. Push. So there you go. Yeah, and there there are packages that they they're advertising here, like the romance package at James Hotel, uh, the Elk Ridge Return to Nature Getaway, Cypress Hills Adventures at Risa Ranch. Uh, so presumably those are the three ones that you can choose from. Um, be- best that you just enter uh, at cjtr.ca slash lottery. We're not selling physical tickets, unfortunately, this year. And uh, let's see what the... Uh... Oh, and they're 20 bucks a ticket. No, yeah. bargain. Yeah, absolutely. You can actually uh, have a paper ticket mailed to you. But it does cost the charity uh, three bucks. So get an electronic ticket, people. And print your ticket out yourself on your own dime. Exactly. Or just, or just memorize that ticket and hold it in your head Inception style. Or better yet, just win the lottery. Yeah. And then you can, you can live the promise that your ticket uh, embodied for you. Precisely. And it's not that tough to win this lottery. I can't remember the, the amount of tickets being sold, but the odds are always really good. It's, it's fewer than a lot of 649. <laughs> Significantly. Um, yeah. And if you're, unfortunately, if you are a programmer here or a staff member or in the immediate family, I don't think you can. You're eligible. Um, also, you have to be a Saskatchewan resident, or at least you, they have to be sold in Saskatchewan. Yes. But other than that, world is your proverbial oyster. Or Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan is your oyster. Your prairie oyster. Your pure prairie oyster. Exactly. All right. That's On right. That you, note. you can tour with the prairie oysters. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah. On that note, 
What's we should next? go to commercials. Let's go to commercials. The Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. And the timer. We are back from Innovative Revenue Tools. Uh-huh. Hey, Aiden. Yes. Do you remember a couple of years ago, we had a meeting and we were going to uh, get the mayor of the day to declare a lead awareness week. Yeah, I, I, I recall that. It's a little vague because my memory, uh, long-term memory, has been severely affected by all the lead I drink in, in my tap water. Understandable. Because I didn't, I didn't file that paperwork because then city council had a meeting and city council seemed to really take uh, lead service connections. We have many of them in the city mm-hmm. of Virginia. Uh, they seem to take lead service connections very seriously. They seem to be aware of lead. So why would we need an awareness week if council was so aware? In fact, they unanimously passed a recommendation or a request to administration to come up with uh, a report about the feasibility of getting rid of all the lead service connections in the city within five years, Ooh. which considering there's 30, there's over 3,600 probably verging on 4,000 lead service connections on the city side. So that are the city's responsibility across the city. And then another about 7,000 or more that are on the residential side. So they're the responsibility of homeowners. There's overlap between those two, but basically what we're talking about is there's over 7,000 households with lead going into their house in their plumbing. That seems that's bad. Yeah, it's a lot. In a, in a city of uh, 200,000, is it? 250,000 people. That's a pretty high percentage. Mm-hmm. Have like 3% of the city uh, has some form of lead going into their house directly. Um, but yeah, the city seemed to be taking it very seriously. Well, it is 2021. And we've got the results of that report back the council asked for. And it looks like we might need that lead awareness week. Uh, declaration after all because uh the operations and uh oh shit what's it called the operations committee we'll call it um they uh they got to look at the report now on this committee we have uh, the chair was uh councillor hawkins councillor bershani was also on the committee councillors mole uh stadnachuk and zakidniak is normally there but zakidniak was not councillor zakidniak was not at this meeting Uh, But yeah, they got the report back and the report is recommending not that we get rid of all the lead service connections in five years. It is recommending we get rid of them in 15, which is more. That is, yes, three times as long. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think people are going to need to like be paying more attention to the lead in their lines, especially since came out in this report that uh, the city has a program where you can get a filter for your house. You can get a, uh, I think it's up to 200, 100 to $200 towards a filter for your house to keep the lead out of your uh, drinking water. Uh, Yes. And uh, you could get a free filter or you could get uh, a money back. And the filters, uh, they've only had 400 people out of the roughly 7,000 plus houses uh, take them up on this offer. Sounds like it's more like lead ignorance week than lead awareness week. Right? 
Right? We're, we lead, to... we're just sheer lead apathy week. Yes. I think it's one of the side effects of lead consumption is apathy. <laughs> yes. So, so, so far things have not been going well and we've been aware of this problem forever. Uh, since the Roman empire fell in part because of lead plumbing. That's, this is true. Uh, we've known that lead is a bad idea, but Regina decided, Hey, let's put them in our service connectors and Hey, let's leave it in the building code that you can use lead pipes in your houses. Uh, and now it seems to be a problem. Uh, but yeah, since, uh, I don't know when it was, it was 2017, 2019, somewhere in there, uh, the federal government changed their standards so that absolutely zero lead is acceptable. Uh, it used to be a certain amount, a little tiny amount in your drinking water they considered okay. Uh, they've changed that now due to new uh, health guidelines. And so the city's lead levels are no longer considered acceptable by the federal government. Um, though they never were. They never were. <laughs> But now they're really not. Yeah. So now the city has to do something, right? Because they they're, they're being arm twisted by the federal government. So uh, in you know, that, that way that only we can do, we are going to do it in the slowest, most foot-draggingly way. Of course. Yes. As though you had lead feet, like Mr. Leadfoot. Ah, there we go. What was his name? That was uh, Kids in the Hall sketch. It was, uh, Monsieur, it was actually Mr. Heavyfoot, Mr. Pierre Lord. Right. Okay. Well, anyways, I misremembered. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is going to take 15 years to get the lead out. And they're saying that this is an acceleration of the program because their original program was 30 years to get the lead oh, out. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, nice, neat trick there. Yeah. So it depends how you look at it. It's either three times as slow or twice as fast. Wow, I mean that's that is some that is some tricky math. I have I have a feeling though they only expect people whose brains have been addled by lead to uh, to believe this. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is that is many of us in the city. So, so yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. Like I tried to hook up. I I got one of those uh, because you know that it's all lead down here in the improvement bureau. So I got one of the filters. I asked them for a filter and they sent it down and uh, I hooked it up to our tap and the friggin' thing broke within four months. Uh, oh, and you don't, you get two free of the little filters that go into the filter, you know, because you got to like replace the filters all the time. Mm-hmm. You get two for free. And then from that point on, you have to buy your own and they're like 15, 20 bucks a pop. So, oh, okay. So that's, I mean, there, I mean, I appreciate the gesture. But, I would yeah. appreciate no lead is yeah, what I would I, appreciate. I would appreciate that more. Yeah. I mean, despite the flavor it imparts to our tap water. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so delicious. It's so smooth. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, as you can imagine, uh, Councillor, Councillor Stadnichuk, the only councillor asking any real questions during this council, uh, committee meeting, uh, she, pa- she suggested, Hey, could we uh, change this to um, 10 years instead of 15? Can we split the difference and do it in 10? Uh, and uh, the administration, sorry, my, my internet connection is unstable. Uh, 
administration is saying the reason they're taking this long, 15 years, is because they want to twin replacing lead lines with any road work they're doing. So if they're going to replace a road, then they'll replace the lead line. So they're not going to replace your road uh, just because there's lead underneath, right? Like if it's a perfectly good road, why dig it up just because you're getting brain damage? That makes no sense. That could cause, that could cause traffic, a traffic <laughs> snarl up. Exactly. We want people out there in their cars driving down the streets with brain damage. Exactly. That's the best way to drive. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Councillor Hawkins also uh, pointed a couple of things out about why we should be doing this and uh, so taking so long because it's cheaper. And so here's Councillor Hawkins on, uh, on the length of this program. I just want to make uh, two points on this. I want to reiterate Mr. Onright's comments that by reducing the time frame, we get into coordination problems, and indeed we'd be digging up recently paved roads, good roads, uh, to meet the shorter time frame. And secondly, I note with a shorter time frame that there would be a 2% addition to the utility, utility bill for two years as opposed to simply one with the longer time frame. I'm a little concerned about the uh, burden that this would impose on taxpayers, particularly remembering that this is something you have to look at from a whole city point of view. It's really three wards, one, two, and three, mine being two that would benefit most, and yet we're asking the whole city to help pay for this, and I think we have to keep that in mind before we impose an additional burden on the entire city. So that was Councillor Hawkins. On I mean, why we, have, uh, we can't uh, get the lead out of our lines faster because it would be a burden on the taxpayers. Right. That's, but I, I understand because if you burden taxpayers with this cost, I mean, people who have lead poisoning just have, are very quick to anger and they might, and they might riot and, and take out their anger on, on city council. So Hawkins might actually be scared for his own person. I guess. That might from, be it. From from the lead zone. Maybe, maybe he watched like Army of the Dead on Netflix and uh, thought, uh-oh, that could be us if we're not careful. Maybe. Or maybe he is in Ward 2, which is a, a ward that has a lot of lead in it. So maybe he just has lead poisoning. That's, that's possible. And maybe it's making him, maybe, maybe the lead is speaking through him, saying, no. Have you considered the benefits of lead? Why it's more precious the than only thing, The only thing that makes any sense. Uh, Councillor Sadnachuk's motion failed. Uh, so we're not going to be getting the program in 10 years. It will be 15, uh, d- depending on how things go at council. This is going to go through to council. Uh, and as I said, there was only councillors uh, Hawkins, Brishani, Mole, and Sadnachuk at this council meeting. And uh, Mole, Brishani, and Hawkins voted against uh, Sadnachuk's accelerated timeline. Uh, and uh, we'll see what happens when this goes before all of council. That is coming up on May 26th. Well, so, I, I, I guess I guess I'll enjoy drinking leaded tap water into my mid 60s. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Well, <laughs> I think then it behooves us to uh, to declare an annual for the next 15 years to declare a lead awareness week to just let yes. people know what they're drinking. 
uh, I am a little bit galled. Like the hypocrisy of this <laughs> concern trolling about taxpayers over lead lines. Uh, there was no concern about taxpayers who don't uh, ever go to a football game. Uh, they, were, they happily made these people pay uh, multiple tax increases to pay for a stadium that they're never going to use. We're paying 13.5 or more million dollars a year into the stadium. And mm-hmm. we borrowed over a hundred million dollars to pay for that stadium. Uh, the enti- to replace all of the lead lines, they said about 36 million to replace the city lines, another 70 plus million to replace all of the uh, residential lines. So for about what we borrowed, for the stadium, we could borrow to get rid of all of our lead lines. But of course, we have no <laughs> borrowing capacity left because we've spent it all on a stadium. So. Where people go to watch people smash into each other and sustain brain damage. Funny that. Yeah, it's, it's starting to make me think that our city is actually a giant experiment <laughs> in, in like sustaining different kinds of brain damage. Yeah. And scientists are, are like among us studying us for like our like our symptoms i have heard that the uh, uh several of the central zone community associations are uh they have sent a letter to council saying that they would like to see the they want to see the five-year timeline they want to see the original goal they want to see city make that because they're the communities that are going to be the most impacted so that would be uh north central cathedral heritage uh and al ritchie uh, those communities are very concerned about the lead and they've come together to um, to ask council to speed things up. But anyways, yeah, so that uh, we'll see how that hap- We'll see how that works out at uh, council in a couple of days, but uh, we're on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina community radio. We're the queen city improvement bureau. And uh, so uh, did you, uh, have you seen, have you seen Mitchell's versus the machines? Uh, yeah, I've been uh, I've been stealing your Netflix password, uh, so we, I've been watching it. Uh, and yeah, I watched uh, I watched me the Mitchells versus the Machines. Uh, and did you like? I I adored it. I yeah. thought it was I thought it was Crackerjack Family Entertainment for 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 the twenty first century. Um, how about you? Uh, yeah, I thought it was phenomenal. I um. It was one of these animated films where there were moments where I was just slack jawed going, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Mm. Uh, And for an animated film to pull that off is pretty extraordinary. Uh, I think the only other films just off the top of my head that where I've had the similar experience of just being completely agog at the visuals were um, uh, Spider-Man into the uh, Mm Spider-Verse, Uh, which I think is a similar or the same team that made that. Yeah. Some, I can't remember. It's not the exact same team, but there are, there's overlap, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, spirited away uh, was the first, like not the only Miyazaki film where I felt that, but it was the first of the Miyazaki films where I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is sublimely gorgeous. And Mm -hmm. Mitchell versus the machine, like hit that note so many times. And then the writing was like just stellar. Um, Yeah. The, the number of moving pieces that it had that it just it, everything meshed and it all came together at the end. I was, I was quite dazzled. And, Very and Olivia Coleman is an angry phone. Yeah. I didn't realize that was Olivia Coleman. Um, <laughs> she was great. She was, she was, yeah. I mean, no, the whole, I mean, it was, it, it was, it was a delightful movie and uh, I quite loved it. Um, but, but uh, the, another reason why we bring it up is, I'm wondering if there are any lessons 
from that that we can apply to the city in terms of like civic policy? Um, yeah, I think a little bit. Uh, uh, certainly, um, s- car standards. Like uh, many cities in the country have um, have have rules in place to make sure that you know the cars that people drive um, are up to certain standards uh, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, you know emissions and uh, polluting. And clearly, if those had been in place, uh, the Mitchells would have lost their uh, burnt orange. Uh, they wouldn't have been able to keep their burnt orange uh, station wagon and the world could have ended without that station wagon. So clearly uh, any kind of car standards uh, are, are non-starter if you want to avoid the the car, the robot apocalypse. I I think you're right. Like if we, if, if we, if, if big government, like big, big municipality, you know, sticks its nose into, into our cars, then yeah, we'll be, we'll be helpless when the robots come. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because right now, far too many cars have like chips in them that uh, the robots could exploit. And uh, yeah, so we need we need to keep those old polluting guitar guitars <laughs> cars <laughs> so that uh, so the robots can't hack them and uh, cause us troubles. Right. Weirdly enough, that's a plot point in the movie Upgrade, also available on Netflix. Oh, really? I have not seen yeah. that. You should. It's I highly recommend it. Okay. Not, not not for the whole family, but uh, but yes. Anyway, um, the the other thing I, I realized that would be advisable, like another bit of uh, civic policy we can take away, is that we should replace our phones with robots. Because while the, I mean, the overwhelming majority of the robots in the movie were evil, mm-hmm. but two of them weren't, and they end up being extremely helpful. That's true. That's true. And if, if, if out of all of the robot apocalypse, you save two robots, it was all worth it. Precisely. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, one, one thing of course, is that a lot of the robots, the idea behind the robots was to treat them like, you know, machines or just tools and not consider them equals. We would have to actually sort of treat the robots on an equal footing and consider them as, as persons. Right. And I know a lot of people would not be willing to do that with their phones. Treated as an equal? Yeah. Even though they probably pay more attention to the phones than other people around them. They're, you know, actually granting them, investing them with personhood might be a stretch too far. Right. So we'd have to like maybe uh, enshrine that into law somehow. Right. Just a, just a bylaw. Yeah, like fines, or maybe we could have some kind of like uh, unfair robot treatment pokey. Right. Or Huskal. Right. Or just, you know, like a technology appreciation week that we could declare. Oh, yeah, yeah. That would be delightful. Like right next to like Lead Awareness and Craft Beer Week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right in between the two. Mm-hmm. Remember, remember there's lead in your water. Drink your beer. Oh, and be nice to your phone. Exactly. Did you celebrate Craft Beer Week, by the way? It just happened. I'm just always, know. always celebrating Craft Beer Week. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah. Did you? Um, in spirit, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't drink beer these days mm-hmm. because hops just and me do not agree. Uh, but I, but I admire the, I admire their spirit. 
yeah. of Craft Beer Week. <clears throat> it's too bad that you're not drinking it because uh, beer in the Queen City has never been so flourishing. I know, I know. So I, I'm, just, I'm just waiting for the for the for the wine for the basement winery uh, <laughs> thing to, to come through. Yeah, and then and then the bathtub gin industry can't Ooh, wait. Yeah. Oh yeah, let's. We can only hope. Yeah, it uh, sinks though because it'd be like a micro distillery. I remember in 2007 uh, when I moved here, uh, the only craft beer option uh, of any note was um, Bushwhackers. Oh yeah. And, you know, when their mead came out, there were, it was the middle of winter and people would line up around, uh, line up around the block to get their mead. And now, you know, Bushwhackers still seems to be going strong. And yet there are how many breweries now uh, inside and near the city that are producing fabulous beers? It's great. There's a huge, there's a huge number. And it just proves the appetite for beer in the city is pretty much inexhaustible. Yeah. Yep. And lead. And lead beer and lead. I wonder if uh, I wonder if we could persuade Rebellion to make like a leaded beer. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Or an unleaded beer. They could do like get the lead out. Be- get the lead out ale. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. For like beer for lead awareness week. I mean, we, I mean, we 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 speak tongue in cheek, but I, I think Mark Heisey would go for this. <laughs> he might actually. Um, yes. Anyways, uh, back to the Mitchells versus the Machines. Any other uh, any other urban planning wisdom that we should be taking from this film? Um, we should. I think. I think the safeguard. We should build an a, a like an object, like recognition safeguard into our into our machines, uh, so, like such as the robots that couldn't distinguish uh, the dog between a dog or a pig or a loaf of bread. Right, so we want to make sure that's in there. Yes, yeah. I mean, as as a as the as a last ditch defense. I mean, in case they do turn evil. Right. Because eventually, statistically, machines will turn evil and turn against their owners and run yeah. amok. Yeah. Um, another thing that we need to we need to keep in mind is uh, the importance of shopping malls. Right. Uh, I can't True. believe that I'm saying this, but. Uh, it's it's interesting seeing over the last decade, decade and a half, the shopping mall sort of die as a commercial form. Uh, and I'm weirdly nostalgic for the shopping mall. Uh, definitely a much more sort of communal experience uh, for shopping than uh, the big box uh, parking lagoons that uh, mm-hmm. we get nowadays. And uh, not nearly as narratively interesting uh, a big box store as a, right. uh, as a shopping mall. And uh, I mean, and while well, the the you know there's the solitary satisfaction of shopping online, there there's there's something to be said for actually wandering around inside from shop to shop. Yeah, yeah. And what are our teenagers going to do without the shopping malls? I know. Like, where will they get their like? How how will how they choose between like you know Randy River and Forty Nine er for like a crappy tank top? Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Or a slightly more expensive tank top at Roots or a Spree or something. Yeah, absolutely. So shopping malls. It's shopping mall preservation week. That's something we need oh, to declare. Nice. I really yeah. like it. Well, you 
when you moved here, the uh, the other major downtown shopping mall had already sort of folded. That was, was Galleria. A... It was. It was right. Yeah, it was right. It was just uh, right next to the Cornwall Center. Uh, Service Can. I think Service Canada is now there, um, but it was the Scotiabank Galleria Center. It right. was uh, three or four stories with lots of uh, lots of uh, escalators and a and a really obnoxious pink and green motif. Yeah. Um, I don't know. A, I think pink and green. Place. Pink and green is on the verge of a comeback. Oh well. Um, and you know, there's so much concern in this province about oh, the oil and gas industry, and uh, if that starts to uh, fade, uh, the jobs that are lost, and nobody seems to care about all the people losing their jobs in the escalator industry. With the uh, with the end of the shopping Ooh. mall, it's all elevators, and the escalator repairmen are out of work. That's like even even sadder than their Maytag repairman fiasco of the years. Yeah. yeah. And all of the escalator mines in southeast Saskatchewan closing up shop. <laughs> yes, no longer able to get it at that like pure escalatorium. That bizarre mineral that sort of like rises or falls at 45 degree angles. Anyways, uh, I think that's it. I think we have, I think, well, we have exhausted the time that we have. We have exhausted all possible options. All right. Yeah. That's, that sounds good. Well, I, well, in that case, I will, uh, I'll do my, I'll do my um, exit spiel. Okay. Well, first we have to uh, call for an adjournment. Well, that's true. We do. Uh, Then I'll, I'll do that thing where I call for an adjournment. And I will second that motion. Okay, well, let's pretend we actually did it then. This meeting is adjourned. You've been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CGTR. Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. Your hosts are Paul Shen and Aiden Morgan. Music by Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire. Uh, as I said, 91.3 FM uh, can be found online, cgtr.ca, and at queencityib.com. Also, find us on Twitter, at queencityib. Uh, we are broadcast uh, Thursday evening, 7 to 8 p.m., and a rebroadcast Monday afternoons. Is it Paul? Yep. Uh, okay. So listen to us while you're driving your car, just for that car driving experience. Uh, yeah. Uh, coming up next, I believe we've got the Nerdcore Cabaret, followed by whoa. the cockpit. Whoa. Wait. Whoa. whoa. I hate to intrude upon your Incorrect. In- yeah. Uh, sad news. The cockpit is no more. Oh, no. And the cockpit has been no more for several months. Well, well, what do you yeah. know? But since we haven't been, we have been unable to go into the studio because COVID. Uh, kind of missed the announcement. And uh, oh. yeah. So I just want to say farewell and happy trails to the navigator and the pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yes. They've flown off into the sunset and they were uh, great companions on the uh, Thursday night action pack. They really were. R.I.P. the cockpit. Is anything replaced them? Not yet. There's stuff coming. Okay, well, stay tuned, people, for the stuff that's coming. Uh, Anyway, after after the cockpit isn't on, there's also nothing else on. Uh, But there's music all through the night. And that's it. Keep on improving, Jonathan.